It used to be called the General Accounting Office. The GAO audits both financial and program performance of federal agencies. Now the nonpartisan Lincoln Network has analyzed data supplied by the GAO that's not normally public. It says a lot about how much money the GAO's work actually saves. For details, we turn to the Director of Cyber and National Security for the Lincoln Network, Dan Lips. Dan, good to have you back. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. What you did then is, first of all, you have been among those urging GAO to get Congress to get the GAO to maybe publish the estimate of what could be saved if all of its recommendations were followed by federal agencies, because the federal agencies don't follow all of the recommendations. And what did that show? GAO provides a lot of value to Congress and the government. And every year, they provide an estimate um, publicly about how much their work contributes to financial savings and other government improvements. And over time, this work has been really valuable. GAO uh, says that its work has resulted in more than $1 trillion in savings uh, since 2002. And what we did was we asked GAO through their process, which is similar to FOIA, to provide us with all of those financial accomplishments, as they call them, to understand how GAO's work impacts federal agencies and how this savings is is realized. And it turns out that maybe the picture of savings is better even than GAO sometimes portrays. It's really exciting um, to see how this nonpartisan oversight provides value for the government and makes government operations uh, work better. For example, over that uh, nearly 20-year period, GAO recorded about 1,700 individual accomplishments. And 200 of those accomplishments saved more than $1 billion for taxpayers. So this really shows the the value of GAO's nonpartisan oversight. This also highlights how much more could be saved if agencies acted upon all of GAO's open recommendations. As of this month, there are more than 4,700 open recommendations, basically ways that GAO thinks the government could work better. If all agencies implemented those open recommendations, we could see substantial savings and other improvements. And GAO itself says that of the 1,679 financial accomplishments in that same period, 2002 to 2019, they claim $1.1 trillion in savings. Exactly. So it's likely that if agencies acted upon all of their currently open recommendations and also answered their future recommendations in a more timely manner, we'd see substantial savings in the tens, if not hundreds of billions range. Yeah, you get a trillion here, a trillion there. Pretty soon you've got your infrastructure paid for without doing anything else. Exactly. And when we consider the nation's long-term fiscal challenges, these numbers are would be an important step forward, particularly where there's bipartisan support. Uh, to make the government work better and and a little savings for taxpayers. And is it fair to say that of the recommendations it's made, the financial accomplishments over that period, most of that accrued in the Defense Department? Oversight of the Defense Department resulted in the most savings, about $420 billion out of that $1.1 trillion. So it's likely that a lot of the the, current or future savings could be related to the Department of Defense. And these are listed in your report. It's, well, it's 112 pages of recommendations year by year. And some of the numbers are quite amazing. I mean, there are hundreds of millions of dollars per agency, sometimes billions per year that they they produce. And I'm not sure everyone is aware of that. Looking at this data really shows how GAO provides a a great return on investment for taxpayers. Every year, they estimate that they save about $100 for every dollar that Congress spends. And, And that's based on what they've already 
we've been able to do over these recent years. It's exciting to think about what could be done if agencies answered their recommendations in a more timely manner. We're speaking with Dan Lips. He's Director of Cyber and National Security at the Lincoln Network. You also seem to imply in the piece, in the report, that maybe GAO itself could be a little bit more forthcoming in what it is actually able to accomplish. Maybe they're being too modest. I think it would be great if GAO listed every one of their financial accomplishments each year. Congress and the American people should know how GAO's work is resulting in value. Uh, They should be proud of that record. Uh, So I think more transparency about uh, what they're accomplishing would be valued. What about the idea of accounting here? Uh, based on their old name of General Accounting Office. Sometimes members of Congress still call it that. They call VA the Veterans Administration, too. But are agencies able to somehow, the government as a whole, account for money not spent and saved and somehow getting that back into the Treasury? It seems ephemeral at times. Yeah, I think it would be really great to think about ways that agencies and GAO could be rewarded by um, saving taxpayer dollars. We're headed towards the end of the fiscal year, and there's a tradition within many federal agencies of of spend it or lose it around this time of year. GAO's work shows that there's really lots of savings that could be achieved if um, agency leaders and and even um, folks in the management levels were more diligent about saving taxpayer dollars. Everyone from Congress to federal agency leaders and through the federal workforce should be thinking creatively about how we can achieve more savings. And what's your sense of how much Congress takes up GAO findings in the hearings that it conducts with agencies? Sometimes they really glom onto something and other things seem to go by and nobody pays any attention. Absolutely. I think generally members of Congress value GAO's work. I was a former congressional staffer and from my experience, GAO's witnesses are always um, trusted and valued and their recommendations often inform legislation and they generally always inform congressional oversight. But sometimes uh, reform recommendations are overlooked and GAO's warnings about big problems um, from the debt to challenges like cybersecurity are issued year after year. And um, Congress doesn't do enough to hold agencies accountable to answer GAO. And in many ways, GAO has a culture which seems to enable it to sail along year after year, administration after administration, this party in the majority in Congress, that party in the majority in Congress. And sometimes if you ask GAO people privately, you might get a slight eye roll over what some of the agencies do that's astounding. But publicly and in the reports, they are so straightforward. GAO has developed a very trusted reputation for being nonpartisan and being independent, regardless of party and power and the executive branch. Across uh, aisles, there's great support for GAO and tremendous respect, which I believe is, is a good reason for focusing you know, future congressional reforms and oversight on GAO's recommendation, because there's a lot of trust there. And in compiling this list of, well, almost a couple of thousand financial recommendations over this 18, 19 year period, anything stood out to you as, wow? I think just the the overall scope um, and the fact that so many of their recommendations yield more than $1 billion in savings. And to put that into context, GAO itself as an agency just gets uh, about $700 million. So um, so many of its accomplishments result in um, much larger savings than even that. Um, there's so much that can be saved in government management, in acquisitions, 
Um, across the board, there's a lot that, that can be done here, which I think deserves attention. Dan Lips is Director of Cyber and National Security at the Lincoln Network. As always, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. We'll post this interview along with a link to his study at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. 
And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was, you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy, and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy, and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author, she turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day 
and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.